0: Hello, tabletop war gamers, and welcome to Tried and True, a podcast hosted by the Delaware War Machine community. Join us as we dive deep into topics around our favorite games, exploring methods and techniques proven to enhance anyone's gaming experience. Hello, my name is Erica, and welcome to this week's battle report on Tried and True. Uh, just kidding, this one's a podcast. The guys are currently busy prepping for our big AU steamroller tomorrow at our brand new store location, so I will be your host for this episode. Big thank you to all of our uh, viewers and listeners. You guys smashed our 500 subs goal. The second round of winners was just announced, so please make sure your emails are available on YouTube. Uh, We're giving our second rounders an additional week, which ends on August 26th, to update those email addresses. If you like what you're listening to and enjoy the War Machine deep dives and battle reports, please consider subscribing to our YouTube channel. Uh, As a new person entering the content creation scene on YouTube, I absolutely get why people ask you to subscribe, like, and comment. It helps tremendously and makes it easier for other people to find our content. Some other quick updates Tried and True will be throwing down at the fields of battle at Nova, the Broker Brawl, and Warfare Weekend. Speaking of the Broker Brawl, Seth, Art, and Steve all started a new podcast, The Broker Broadcast. Highly recommend if you're looking for an additional podcast to add to your War Machine listening library. Those guys are a lot of fun, and they run an incredible team tournament. Go to the Broker Brawl. It's a great time. We'll add their info along with a few other friends of the channel in the show notes below. Now, with all the excitement of Mark IV and several people returning to the game, we thought it might be fun to host a special ladies interview with a very special guest. So without further ado, is with great pleasure, on behalf of Tried and True, along with Delaware War Machine, to invite the one and only Miranda, aka Wargamer Girl.
1: Oh, thank you very much. I'm happy to be here. Yeah, thanks for sharing
0: your time with us tonight.
1: Well, I am definitely looking forward to some happy Mark IV chat.
0: Yes. So for those that might not be familiar with Miranda or the Wargamer Girl channel, do you mind just you know, giving us a quick spiel. Yeah,
1: so I started my channel back in 2012, doing War Machine Mark II battle reports, kind of the early part of Mark II at the time anyway, and have just been doing a lot of battle reports for War Machine and Hordes. And then I've broke on to other games. I have some Space Hulk on there. I'm working on 40K stuff because, you know, you got to cover everything. There's even some Malifaux games up on there if you ever check it out. But yeah, I run the channel Wargamer Girl. And I'm mostly a War Machine player. It was my first love. And so I'm excited to hopefully be able to come back
0: to it. That's awesome. So for this, uh, this special interview, we're, uh, we're kind of going to break this into three parts. So the first is, want to get to know our guests a lot better. So I'm super curious. I love, you know, meeting with other folks in the community and... You know, getting their take on everything that's going on, the Mark IV hype. Can't not talk about Mark IV right now. And then our deep dive discussion is women in War Gaming. How can we spread the love of War Machine and other tabletop games to our community? Hmm. Okay, so you're saying that so your first tabletop game was war machine uh well no technically actually
1: my first game was a game of 40k i played uh, some sisters of battle in um fifth edition actually and i was up against some space marines or whatever and so you know you're just learning the rules on a little tabletop and whatever and i I just really remember walking away saying my god i hate sweeping advance what what stupid rule is this where you have to (laughs) sorry i don't know what the rating is for your, your podcast but um I, I hated it. I just didn't like the experience very much but with how weird the rules were at the time. Like, mm-hmm. things were so final really
0: fast. I'm trying to think. So, 5th edition, about like what, was that mid-2000s? Uh, it would be, yeah,
1: like mid, mid-2000s. Yeah. Okay. And then, so, you know, I just didn't end up getting back around to it. And then War Machine came out. I was living in Oklahoma at the time and... We were just at the game store, I'm trying to remember. And I, I saw the War Machine stuff on the shelf and I was like, these models look awesome. Like, look at these really cool things. And so, as a kid, like, I always wanted the biggest, toughest, brawliest, biggest things. Like, I would drive a monster truck if I could somehow afford the gas for one. <laughs> so, of course, Kador, I'm like, yes, Kador, the big robots, the biggest, the most stompy. Give me. And, you know, that really, but that was actually Mark I at the time. And so I didn't really know anybody to play with. And so I sort of had some minis that I put together for a little while, but didn't get back around to it till like 2010, 11. And that was basically when Mark Two had come out already and then really picked it up from there. And that's when I really learned about more of like this whole wargaming community and all the different skirmish games that were coming out uh, that, you know, you had Malifaux and Infinity was coming out and you know a myriad of other skirmish games have come out even since then and so i kind of feel like i got in right before wargaming as a slightly more mainstream hobby really came to the fore sure
0: cool and then what's your all-time favorite wargame
1: i mean i do love me some war machine again it was it was my first love i felt like the rules were so Clean and well written. I mean, the Mark II rulebook is really a testament to real, to honestly really amazing rule wording. They give you cards. Here's the ability. Oh, by the way, here's the, you know, brief of what that ability is on the card. There's so much easy to reference stuff, whereas you don't have to, you know, look at the data slate on one model and reference another book to see what this ability might be. It, it was just well combined. Now, you know, you could say what you want about special rules and where that went, but the core rules of War Machine Mark II were so perfect in a lot of ways.
0: Yeah, I feel I feel bad that that was the addition that I missed out on. Yeah, because um, I hear so I I hear it praised that it was a really it was a really good time to play.
1: But I mean, it was also obviously a hard game. Like War Machine had this reputation for being a particularly difficult game to wrap your head around, and. I think I also kind of like that because like, ooh, challenge, I'll do it. Because there's, I mean, you know, war gaming can sound like intimidating until you actually like get into it and then you're like, eh, this is, this isn't that hard. I mean, it's fine. Like, But with War Machine, there's so much memorization involved and that would always be where my challenge was because, or my challenge would be because I'll play Kador and I'm like, oh, yeah, I know what Vlad does. I know what Sorcha does. I know how these rules interact. I know how I can, you know, wombo combo my stuff. But I
0: don't necessarily know all the rules to Legion or all the rules to Circle, and now you know. Yeah, War Machine was always kind of like the shadow run of war games for me <laughs> uh, when it comes to like tabletop stuff. It can be super brutal, but
1: I don't know. It, it was just a different. Um, once you felt like you were any good at that, you just felt like you could take on learn any game easily. Uh, I will make the exception caveat. I still don't understand Infinity like. I love that company. The models are really cool. Amazing community. I don't think I'll ever be able to play that game.
0: <laughs> yeah, I actually I haven't had a, a chance to try that one yet. I have a couple friends that play it. I've seen the tables. The tables are very uh, elaborate.
1: Well, here in New Mexico, we had Rumble on Route 66, which ended up being at one point the largest Infinity tournament in the world. And, um, oh, wow. Yeah, and it was downtown at this, uh, sort of downtown. It was at this local hotel that they would host. And yeah, the uh, guillermo was the effective press ganger for that down here and he got so many people into infinity he you know really went above and beyond making a bunch of tables a bunch of the community made all these gorgeous tables that you would just feel like you walked out of i don't know blade runner into or something It was just oh that's really absolutely cool. fantastic like, they did a stunning job it really is a super awesome community
0: that's awesome. Yeah, that's um. So we've had a couple of terrain making nights at our store too. That's another great way if you're trying to get your local groups together and to kind of integrate different gamer groups. So for us, we advertised our table terrain making night. We opened it up to everybody. We opened up to the D and D folks, the Warhammer guys, and it was a it was really fun just to get everybody around the table. And we love showing. Off these tables on our battle reports and during our steamrollers. So, yeah, if you're looking for like some good community engagement, that's not necessarily, you know, rolling dice and, and smacking down terrain and table making nights are fabulous.
1: That's a good point. Yeah, I can see a lot of people being a little more willing to come and try that first, just to say like who, see who they're going to be interacting with.
0: Yeah, yeah, for sure. And then you get to share different game systems and stuff. It's it's nice. It's it's cool. Yeah.
1: It's it's why you want a friendly local game store.
0: Yeah, so speaking of local game stores, what's the local gaming scene like where you live?
1: We've got we've got a long history of different different wargaming stores around here. Um, I suppose the big one for my part of town that I'm in is Etten Games. There's another one in Texas, but this one is in Albuquerque and they just recently moved locations and they really lean a lot into, you know, creating this very welcoming environment. They've got tables out so people can play their, you know, 40K nights or whatever game nights, tons of RPGs. And it's like just one of those really nice clean stores. They did a really good job. Before that, we had Active Imagination that was actually around for like, I don't know 30 years or something, and they actually closed this year, which was kind of a weird end of an era. Um, yeah, fem- female run store, by the way. Um, oh, awesome! But she was like, I'm done. I'm like, okay, we love you, Mandy. Thank you for everything. And, um, yeah, shout out to Mandy. Yes, and then on the west side, because Albuquerque, we've got a river that runs right through the middle, and so even though it's all Albuquerque, we kind of have two halves of the city that people mostly stay in and so the other side of town we've got twin sons and they do they have a lot of magic and then they also do war gaming and stuff it's just so far away i don't usually end up getting to that one And then sure. we also technically have a warhammer store but that's kind of in the opposite corner of town from me so i really never get
0: there They've got, like, strict rules, too. It's like you have to play GW games Oh, You in have there. to play there. Like, you you just, even,
1: it has to be the newest yeah, edition. Yeah, you can't even, like,
0: mention other games <laughs> in
1: that store. Yeah, don't get me started on all that. But, yeah, so as far as the gaming scene, I, I haven't seen too much of War Machine lately. Like, Mark Three, kind of was a, a getting-off point for a lot of people. But, you know, 40K has always been a healthy community. Albuquerque loves Infinity, as I mentioned. We've got a really strong Infinity meta here. And Albuquerque, for whatever reason, has
0: always loved, and to this day still loves, Battletech, which
1: I swear we'll try oh, wow. one of these days.
0: Hardcore. Oh, wow. Tech. Gosh. Yeah, I haven't... Oh, gosh, I haven't heard of that game in, like, many moons.
1: <laughs> yeah. Well, it's been around in so long, and it's it's one yeah. of those games that's kind of an interesting example, right? Because... You can look at it and say, well, you know, if you run a game company, you need to be changing editions every so often, putting out models all the time, and BattleTech's like, yeah, whatever.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, okay, cool. So with um, all these different, you know, war games, games that you play, what is your favorite to create content for on your channel?
1: Uh, I mean, okay, I guess my favorite kind of have been my Space Hulk battle reports, just because we are able to lean into them being a lot more cinematic. Just, you know, the mm-hmm. the layout of the space hook board. We took, Uh, sharpies and blacked out all the edges of the little game pieces and then we have them set on velvet so it creates this real darkness of space and like we went crazy just making this board game look as cinematic as we could and every time i edit those i'm just like man this is so pretty i just love it (laughs) because i mean some of those models man like the details come out and they're just mm, they're so good and then you know you have the environment there and that makes it really even better And then, you know, the gameplay is is what it is, and it's a board game at the end of the day, and I don't know, sixes and ones is kind of how uh, Space Hulk rolls. And so the content comes together fairly quick. I also love doing War Machine Battle Reports. I've done so many War Machine Battle Reports, like checking dice rolls and double checking rolls, but those would always be kind of challenging because the game would go on long enough, because anytime you record a game, as I'm sure you might be aware by now, uh, it's gonna take like three or four times longer than a normal game would take, and so, you might come across the battle later while you're editing and be like, ah, man, I messed up that rule.
0: Yeah, that was actually one of the things I really liked when we did our 50-point beta Mark IV bat rep. I was like, oh, wow, we're done in like a third of the time.
1: Wow. <laughs> well, with, yeah. with Mark IV, 50 points is fewer models again.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, even just like with the uh, with the unit movement and everything, it just uh, the time that I guess did take the longest is we had to go, you know, and like reread, you know, some of the rules, especially when it came to moving and charging and all that stuff. That was probably the the slowest part about when we were filming ours. But I mean, it flowed pretty well. I think each player only exhausted like 30 minutes of their clock, if that. Okay. by the time we got to the end of the game. Do you
1: expect that um, the tournament scene is going to see shorter death clocks for it? I don't know if those rules
0: are out. I'm not sure. So there's still, I guess, discussion on what is the next, like like what's going to be the community standard format is personally, I think it's going to be 100 points, maybe not immediately, because I think with Mark IV, it's, it's going to take about two years for this thing to come online. Okay. So in the meantime, I wouldn't think it would be, you know, that super uncommon to see 50 point or 75 steamrollers or tournaments for the first year or two mark four is out yeah my bets are on 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 100 points in terms of the death clock changing i don't know because advanced maneuvers actually they just had a really cool podcast interview with uh, mcwaters and he was saying if you take out rec options and warcaster points even at 75 point games in mark three you're still playing with over a hundred points worth of models, so like you're between a hundred and maybe a hundred and thirty points if you know you're not counting the the warcaster right battle points and all that stuff, so maybe at like a hundred point cutoff, maybe forty five minutes would be enough time huh. or sixty. I'm not sure.
1: I mean, back in Mark 2, and I think 3 as well, if you went over, if you hit 100 points, you could technically take a second Warcaster. I wonder if they're keeping any of that.
0: Oh, God, that would be insane with the rocks. (laughs) That
1: would be be kind of bananas. I don't know. I think I, I agree with you. I think staying smaller point scale, at least for the interim, would be wise, especially if you're trying to grow the audience again.
0: Yeah, and, and for us with our store and our, our community, we're gonna pull them to see like, okay, what do our players want? Are they looking for this unlimited format? Are they looking for a prime? Are they looking for 50 points? Are they looking? I think you just have to like read your audience and kind of reach out and see what your community wants to do. It's a new time for all of us. That's one of the things that I'm most excited for for Mark 4 is it's a soft reset for everybody across the board, regardless of your experience or player skill. Mm-hmm. And we basically get to start over without jumping on a brand new IP. So I'm super excited about that. <laughs> um,
1: so, how do you feel about where the lore has gone? Do you, do you follow much of the lore on that?
0: I am not like a consistent lore person. Okay, uh, but I know, like, with the jump, I think it's what, 15 years? Five. Between. Or five or six it's five. years? Yeah,
1: because it's a 20 or okay. uh, 618, and it was 612 before. So,
0: 618 now. Got it. Yeah, I mean, I'm excited for it, for the jump. When, when they first premiered, like, the Storm Legion and the Orgoth, like, earlier this year, I had a couple reservations. I was like, oh, these guys look real, like, they look more sci-fi Warcastery to me and not so much, you know, steampunk fantasy. Yeah. Uh, at the time, but I mean, it, it's grown on me. I'm actually running a uh, Shadow of the Seeker campaign right now at, at my store. We just did our first session last week. Oh, nice. Yeah, so I'm, I'm learning the lore now. <laughs> <laughs> oh, the lore and uh, those But pulp- no, I'm, I'm excited for like the, the, the tech jumps and 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 everything. I like, I'll be honest. I fell off the wagon hard with the infernals drop. I actually quit the game for a year when it was like Archon machine and Riot Quest models. I was like, "Ew, what is this? Yeah, I'm out." I, I feel um, So, I, yeah. So I'm really glad that that craziness got you know addressed.
1: <laughs> did they did they mention with that list of stuff that's still gonna be usable? Like if infernals was in there, because I'd be happy if they weren't.
0: I'm not. Ch- oh, what do you mean for the for when Mark they mentioned the um, mm-hmm,
1: like which stuff in Mark IV you're going to be able to still bring?
0: Oh, I'm not sure. I know Infernal, like the limited factions they said are going to be prime factions. Oh, uh, yeah, they had Infernals. a list that came out. Yeah, yeah Infernals so Infernals. Which Grimkin made the yeah, cut? Yeah, I'm so glad Grimkin making the cut was important.
1: Infernals were I just hated. I hated them in the lore. And- <laughs> I them on the table, but whatever.
0: I've actually never played them. So for the month of October on our channel, we're doing like spooky battle reports for October. So I'm going to get my Grimkin on the channel. And then Mike, who played uh, Mercs on our third episode, he has a whole Infernals army. So my very first experience, my first play experience ever into Infernals will be on this battle report. So I'm pretty excited. I don't know what they do. Just kill them dead <laughs> as
1: fast as you can. The longer they last, the worse it is. Check. I see. <laughs> That's all I can give you. Just hurry. Hurry, hurry.
0: So I guess this is a good since we're talking about Mark Four, a good segue into Mark Four. So with this new edition, do you think, you know, Wargamer Girl, you're you're gonna be working on any battle reports I mean, for
1: War Machine? To be fair, I was I was going to anyway, even with like even if there was nothing that ever happened with Mark III changing over. Like I actually was gearing back up to be like, Okay, no, we're I was I was teaching my friends, I was you know, involuntarily, you know, drafting them into my, my fold of war machine play and teaching them how to play the game. Cause I'm like, no, I really want to get back and do some battle reports and we just need to build this community or I just kind of need to build up a community again. And so that was already happening when Mark Ford dropped literally like in the middle of all that. And so I'm like, oh, mm-hmm. well, okay guys, back to the trading table. Me too. <laughs> so, but it's kind of, cool because like you mentioned it sort of levels the playing field. Everyone can kind of come at it from where they were and being able to bring in legacy armies in addition to the new stuff I think will be something people want to see. I'm probably going to stick with 50 point battle reports at least for the interim because editing really large battles is 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 frustrating, let's say. <laughs> um so so yeah, there will definitely be that. I'm really hoping I can get my hands on the full winter core 50 point army cuz I I'm desperate to play them I just want to yeah
0: same like same though yeah yeah <laughs> So speaking of, you know, these new models, so on your channel, you were put you're doing like a, um, what was it? Like one of those live YouTube, yeah like I'm hangout. old, so I don't know like what <laughs> the terminology is for it, but yeah, like you were putting the models together. What was that like being able to, you know, get your hands on these new 3d printed models? Yeah.
1: So I did an unboxing on the channel and, and it was a live unboxing cause they had sent it to me. I received it that morning and I'm like, okay, well, well, I think it was that morning, but yeah, I. I didn't open anything. I was like, I'll just open it on the live stream. Let's just see, okay, these are 3D printed models. There was concerns and I don't, like I've dealt with 3D printing a fair bit. Like I've got friends with resin printers. We do FDM stuff here. Like I'm familiar enough with like 3D models that I'm not particularly worried about it. But at the same time, like, it's, it's not an, a illegitimate concern of people. So I'm like, okay, well, let's just do an unboxing. Let's look at them. And so, yeah, I did. Um, I opened up all the models on the three of them on the channel. I, I looked at uh, all of the individual pieces. And like, there were a couple little print lines here and there, which I don't even think will show up after being primed, but I haven't gotten that far yet. So really, it was just demonstrating that. And I think it got a lot of people excited and kind of alleviated some concerns because... I think one of the things that had happened before was like beta models or untested models that were still really early had gone out to some people, maybe play testers or something. And images of that had shown up online and people were like, what is this? This doesn't look great. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah. yeah. And so it's like whenever you see an image, you're like, mm, when is that from? Like, eh. So <laughs> this was just my attempt. Like, I don't know that they sent me like a particularly good one. of doubt it i think they just sent me like a normal one right and overall like the quality's there i think they'll look really good on the tabletop and there are some cool things you can do with 3d prints like have models that you don't have to worry about undercuts like you do with an injection molding machine or with or the frustration and slowness of dealing with um like resins if you've ever poured resins which is another special thing (laughs) That I've
0: experienced. Yeah, I felt like an idiot when I was putting together my resin, like armored core, like my tanker models. I didn't like, I thought some of the pieces that were on it were part of the model. <laughs> so oh, I they were primed like and painted. Pieces. Yeah, was, <laughs> I'm like, yeah, it's just a
1: spike, I guess. I don't. <laughs> I mean, whatever. It happens. If you make it look right, Mm -hmm. it's it's fine. After the live stream, though, I finally got in and uh, magnetized all of them, which was an interesting process. And I'm very proud of myself because I didn't confuse any of the magnets. And so everything (laughs) just snaps on really nicely and connects really nicely. It took a little while. It's probably couple hours if you wanna be like really diligent and glue it all together, right? So that's all cool. And now they just need to get primed and painted, but the, the interchangeability seems like it's pretty cool. The locking system, the actual arms and head have sort of these flanges on the pieces so that when you socket it into the body, it doesn't wiggle around. Like you might see on a normal magnet on a smooth surface where it can just move and, you know, sometimes get a little floppy on you, that locks it in. So they actually can still kind of keep a cool pose. Now, one thing I did notice that I'm like, oh come on, guys, is <laughs> there's so much overhang on the base still. <laughs> like, really, guys? Oh, really? Yeah. So, um, like the I think it's the dire wolf. It has this turned carapace, right? So it's it's bot it like as if it's running, and so its body mm. is turned one way, and its hips are the opposite way. And so when you put the weapons on, they're just so far away from its body, and it I mean it's the design of the model way overhangs the base and i'm like i do wish that the bases got bigger for for this new edition not not the 80 mil they're doing for just the, for orgoth or special new models but like if they just across the board increase the base size for the warjacks i think that would be a little bit
0: cooler just makes sense yeah. yeah 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 so um, what were your initial thoughts about the mark 4 announcement <laughs>
1: I was like, oh, well, that's interesting. I, I was genuinely surprised. I know there had been like, oh, there's big hype. Wait till the Prime cast comes out on the 26th of July. And I'm like, oh, okay, cool. And I'm like, maybe they'll kill off the butcher. That'd be cool. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm never going to get my wish on that, I think. But yeah, then they, <laughs> then they announced Mark IV. I'm like, oh, all right. It felt like it was about time. I think they mentioned it was like six years of Mark III. And you know, Mark Three had a bit of a rush, a, a rough release, let's say. And so I think there's a lot of cautious optimism. I actually put a poll out on my channel whenever that came out. I'm like, how do you guys feel about this? And, you know, like 270 some odd votes on it. People being like, cautiously optimistic. I'm like, I think mm-hmm. that's fair. That's that's a very valid place to be because a lot of former players, like, you know, so many players I know, love the game, really enjoyed it, just kept getting their face bashed in every time they played that it just wasn't worth it to them anymore. Even though it was, mm-hmm. you know, they brought they were brought in by these really beautiful models and these really cool things. So, cautious optimism there. Then they dropped the mark for rules and that was super interesting because, you know, they, there was some of the major changes which, you know, you, it was mentioned on one of your, um, your other videos with the uh, play tester mentioned like, okay, facings are gone. Like, that was huge. Just, and I, and I can remember like dealing with battles where it's like, okay, here's the laser pointer. Which way is that facing? Are you gonna walk by? Or are you gonna be within one millimeter of my reach range? And you're gonna take a free strike before you can make it into that charge range. And it's like, oh, that's interesting. Like there's a certain amount of granularity that's lost but I understand it because there's a lot of time saved that way. And then of course all the drama around the unit movement which is interesting. And I don't know, I'm just going to have to playtest that to see how that feels. Yeah,
0: I don't know for those that are listening, our Mark IV uh, Bat Rep, where we had, uh, Andy was playing with his errands and they were like the infinite repoing um, errands, (gasps) where at one point, they were like 20 inches away from each other. And we posted like pictures, we posted video of this everywhere on Discord, Facebook, even people who were uh, like playtesters for Mark IV and were like, where is this incorrect? <laughs> Cuz we're looking all over this rule book, we're asking everywhere on the internet. Like there's no way that this is correct. So I'm hoping out of like with the unit movement, I I hope that gets addressed where repoing, you know, have one model repo and then everybody else you know, moves to, to sync up within two inches of him because the way it is now, it can get some uh, pretty ridiculous,
1: ridiculous charge angles. Oh, gosh, no kidding. Imagine what you can do with cavalry. I mean.
0: Yeah. Oh, yeah. Sa- yeah. Cavalry is insane right now. <laughs> yeah.
1: Which, I mean, fine. They're fun to play, so hopefully. Mm-hmm. But but that's kind of one of the nice things, right? They're like, well, those are the beta rules. Yeah, we've play tested it to a degree, but now it's like here out on the market. And so <laughs> we- one thing we are familiar with our um, gamers doing is, finding ways to break the game. So go do it now so we can fix it before it properly launches. Yeah,
0: and uh, Dan brought up a point too is that maybe these are beta rules from like six months ago, but this was the document that was ready to get released versus maybe there is a more current copy of beta rules that are out there somewhere. They're just not ready to be publicly released yet.
1: Hmm, Maybe. Um, My understanding was like, they're like, no, these are pretty much the rules. This is just gonna be like, if there's
0: some oh crap moment. All right, well, repo gotta get looked at. Privateer yeah, Press, yeah, <laughs> the
1: sound of that, that most likely, I hopefully does get addressed because that would be that'd be so sad, right? It just launches and then immediately falls on his face because there's a bunch of people just posting like horrible abuses of the game and people, and then the former players are like, well, nothing's changed. I guess, cool.
0: Yeah, I think that's the other thing, too, why it's it's really important to promote positivity, especially like we're trying to grow our community. I mean, our community's had steady growth for the past year. I think, yeah, we've the AU meadow's been a thing for about a year now. But the big thing, even community leaders, players, you know, players just showing up during the week is to be positive because it is really easy just to rip on, you know, I don't know, like me back in two thousand nineteen ripping on Archons and Riot Quest models, right? But um, <laughs> I mean, <laughs> it's a,
1: I'm still a little salty about that. So it's it's a double edged sword, right? It's like be positive, <laughs> be constructive. I guess might be a better yes. way of putting it because. That Mm -hmm. You know, not being allowed to complain about anything. There's no point in that. We complain about stuff we love all the time. I mean, I love love movies and I will pick a movie to pieces when I'm like, but oh man, I wish they could have done this, could have done this. It would have been awesome if they did this. But it's like, you've got to be constructive. You've got to articulate it. If you're just like, "Nah, they're just going to break it like they always do or some like kind of stupid phrase, you know, that gets thrown out. Yeah, no, that's fair. That's That's, fair. That's where you're that's the, okay, now you're just bringing everything down. So I do, I guess, defend criticisms, but they they should be constructive. Because overall, I think most of the people who are playing the game and are invested in the game and have put hundreds of hours in the game who are complaining are hopefully complaining with the idea that I really would like this to be better in this way so that I can enjoy playing this with someone else who might... who who might actually try the game if this thing were fixed
0: yeah so one thing that you know we kind of promote at my job is if you have a complaint or there's a problem that's great like what are your solutions for that like you can come to me with a problem but how is this going you know what i mean like how would you make it better if you were sitting in the in the director's seat so to speak
1: yeah and i mean it becomes a harder question at that point because like all right Mm -hmm. all right sherlock how do you fix this one like you adjust this then what then what happens here yeah
0: and and it's good too because you get other people's perspectives too, you know, and you come up with solutions that you might not have even thought of in the first place. So you just got to come correct everybody. Just come correct. Oh yeah. So, so before we started recording, Miranda and I were kind of talking a little bit about the marketing of Mark IV and just our initial, you know, thoughts about it. And the conversation was was getting pretty good. So I was like, oh wait, we gotta we gotta table this. And oh man, you're gonna make me remember recording. like thirty minutes ago. <laughs> oh, now we're gonna. <laughs> so one of the thing again so i'm a mark one player i missed mark two came back for three i'm you know hopping on a hundo percento for mark four so as a consumer of privateer press products guys this comes from a place of love you know i, I love your guys's games the announcement that we got in july i don't i don't know if that is like the mark four announcement or if we're gonna get something a little bit you know flashier more exciting come October
1: i I would hope so it would it would be the best way to proceed right like they've put out and I don't know if you're, if you're done. I don't mean to step on what you're saying. No, no, go for it. But it's like, okay, uh, July 26th or whatever, they put out that Primecast, like a five-minute video. Oh, here's this model, this model. Oh, PS, Mark IV, bye, guys. And you're like, what? Oh, my God. Oh, the the hype. Yeah, like
0: what, what just happened? Right?
1: But it's like <laughs> that got the attention of current players that did zero things to get like other new people interested. So after that, we had that very long article by matt wilson of like hey you know this is kind of what's going on and i you know i mentioned before like i think in the interest of trying to be transparent with their audience and trying to be like honest and you know level with everybody of like hey you know this is kind of where we're at we (laughs) we made too many models it's like well we all could have told you that but that's fine and and so you know how are we addressing that but again that's all talking to the current player base so yeah with logically speaking I would hope that whenever October comes, and maybe they're waiting to make sure that they have the the support and infrastructure ready to sell a bajillion models. And Gen Con was probably a bit of a test for that. But yeah, come October, they I hope come out with some really cool marketing campaign, gorgeous painted models, and these really awesome terrain boards. Maybe some internally done battle reports. You know, just some cool flashy stuff to help, you know, put. Put the feelers out for all the new players out there, people who haven't been following Privateer, because all of this stuff so far has only been shown to people who are already following the game.
0: Yeah. And yes, I agree with that. The other thing with if if this is the announcement and we don't get anything else for new players in October, it my initial thought, again, as a longtime consumer of the product, playing war games for almost two decades now, it just it seemed like it lacked confidence. There is some of that. Yeah. Yeah, like that was the initial, you know, that, that was the initial impression that I got. So I'm, my fingers are crossed too that we get something a little bit, a little bit spicier in October.
1: No, they, they definitely need to, to bring, bring some more there. Cause I mean, just the current audience is overall not where they want to be if, if they're being practical about it. Like Mark II was the height of War Machine uh, consumer. Market share. Mark one, you know, was, I don't know much about it, unfortunately, but I remember like whenever Mark two went into Mark three, there were so many players I knew who were like, "Mm, this is a good time for me to stop. Whereas with Mark four, I feel like a lot of people are going, oh, I'm cautiously optimistic. You know, I really want to see where this goes. I'd like to come back. Some of the hesitation had to do with 3D printed models, which I don't think is too much of a concern, but time will tell on that. And then like, how they're going to be able to handle those legacy armies i feel like we should maybe dive into that a little bit yeah so yeah legacy models so uh they mentioned it was it was matt wilson on one of the prime casts talking about how they had amassed about a 2000 model catalog by the end of mark Mm -hmm. ii or you know by now and it was this constant need to create new models and it was kind of to the exclusion of everything else, and you know you can sell a model because war gamers. I mean, you I'm sure you know? Like we're all consumers. We consume.
0: By yes, we consume. <laughs> like,
1: oh, the new shiny thing! How can I put it in my pocket <laughs> right now? I'll assemble it later. So it's like. It was probably kind of easy money, like, eh, just put out the new thing. But now we're in this weird situation where there's this enormous back catalog of models that people can't even order from game stores because, you know, they might not be able to fulfill that order because it was a plastic or they don't have enough uh, uh, orders for that model to warrant another spin up of the model. And so you're dealing with all these you know, older players who are like, I have a lot of models. Am I going to be able to use these? You know, what... What is October going to bring with the rules for all those legacy things? And I'm glad they put out their legacy armies notice yesterday with what model, what armies are going to come out. So that helped alleviate some concerns. But now it's going to be like, well, how usable really are they? Because they're still coming yeah. out with new models. They're not even re-sculpting so far.
0: Yeah. So this might not be the most popular opinion, but so this is why I look at right. So I have I have a full I have a full Kador faction. I have all the Grimkin, and I have a full fair army and pirates. So okay, all right. So I guess my stuff is legal and Prime. <laughs> um, but I think I think this like legacy model thing is meant to be a like a two year bridge for your pre-existing players to eventually get them to go. Like, at the end of the day, everybody new and, you know, your your veteran players are going to be picking up one of these new army boxes. Yeah. I just think that the majority of these legacy mods like, it, it's just basically a bridge to get us there until more armies and more choices come out. I think once the dust settles in, like, three years, I, I don't know how much table time, legacy armies in general are are going to, you know, see or be on the table.
1: No, that's fair. I, and you bring up a good point because even with their initial launch, they're like, here's two armies and then come November, the Kador box will be coming out. That's three armies by end of year, like to start in their brand new edition launch. So in order to not completely alienate the other, you know, enormous percent of their player base, they do need... They need some way of letting people be able to play with their stuff. And so two years, three years, yeah.
0: Yeah, I think we're going to be seeing a lot of unlimited format, like steamrollers and tournaments, probably for at least two years. I think it's, like at least for our store, I think we're, from talking with our community, it's going to be a lot of unlimited, definitely for the first year. Which is great,
1: honestly. Like, again, I look forward to still getting to put my Grimkin on the table or my little Kayazi dudes on the table or, you know, any of them, because I don't know what casters are even going to be coming over. Like, I'll be mm-hmm. sad if I don't get to play the old witch in the future. I'll be sad if I don't get to play, like, Sorsha in the future. And I understand that they're like, oh, we're moving on, we're moving on. But it's like, yeah, but don't, like, you know. Yeah. I I've, I think people will still want to be able to play maybe between the two different eras, right? Like a, a 30K mm-hmm. version of, of War Machine. Yeah, yeah.
0: Yeah, we're actually, um, so quick, sidebar, for our final uh, steamroller in December for the year, our big send-off to Mark III is going to be like a 50-point themeless steamroller. (laughs) So you just take whatever you want. (laughs) It's like a little homage. Well, well, on that note, yeah, why don't we get into our last big uh, topic for the podcast episode, and we're going to talk about women in wargaming. So to kind of lead us off into this, I pulled some uh, really interesting statistics from the internet from Dr. Google. So uh, according to the Great Wargaming Survey, a census-like questionnaire conducted by the magazine Wargame, Soldiers, and Strategy, every year the estimated makeup of women in the hobby was between one5 and 2%. That was as of 2019. However, in D&D, it had massive spikes that year, rising to 39% women. And for strategy genre games, such as like Civ 6, you're looking at 11%. So looking at tried and true, our analytics, less than 5% of our viewers are women. And I
1: shared my analytics you with you this, too. Yeah.
0: Oh, yeah. Go ahead. Send it. What you got? So,
1: I mean, for my, my channel, again, been around for like 10 years. And my snapshot for just preparing for this show, so it's just a few days old for the last 28 days, the female makeup of my channel is 0.2%. 20% of 1% on my channel. Wow. <laughs> so, yeah, I think it's fair to say it's
0: just probably not that interesting to them. So why why do you think there is a lack of women at the war tables?
1: <sighs> All right. Gonna, I do have to start off by saying I generally detest this topic, just to be completely fair and open and honest about it. Like, it's one of those things that I feel like I've always been, like, I don't know, bugged with uh, over the last, like, time I've had my channel where people are like, oh, how do I, how do I get my wife into it? And it's like, I don't know, she's not interested, like, she's not interested, dude. Like, <laughs> you can't make her be interested. What, you yeah. want to try and trick her? Like, what do you want from me? And so it was always just, like, this ruffling sort of question, including at one point me getting an email from, like, a fairly large magazine saying, like, oh, we'd love to hear your experience about women in wargaming and how you've been marginalized and mistreated in it. And I was like, oh, you already wrote this article for me. Cool. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So it's one of those For the record, I've
0: never been mistreated by my gaming community. And neither have I.
1: (laughs) And it's one of those things where there seems to be like this controversy in it and it just it makes me tired. Because it's like, look, I don't know, I'd go into the game store, like, no, I've never been worried about what's going to happen to me in a game store. I've never been, mm-hmm. you know, like you said, mistreated. I've had awkward things said to me because turns out a lot of war gamers are also just awkward humans. I'm sorry. Like, if you have a problem with that, then that's kind of a you thing, not a them thing so mm-hmm. it, it ends up being this thing where i'm just like oh god i hate this topic so i am trying to approach it like you know as analytically and controlled as i can but if i sound a little <laughs> pissed off at, like, at one point you'll know where i'm coming from so
0: fair warning Now yeah now it's cool so
1: why is that i don't know they just aren't interested because it's one of those things that is so niche it's not interesting to most humans right like how many humans play war games in general how many people Mm -hmm. in Hollywood knew what Warhammer was before Henry Cavill talked about it on interviews and then even then you saw like Tom Holland be like what what is this this sounds fun it's like nobody knows what this hobby is it's like super ultra niche and it was also ultra niche historically like to guys who probably weren't all that successful with women so it turns out women probably weren't interested in your stupid hobby either so, you know, it, it, it becomes one of those things. And so, you yeah. know, it's it's become more democratized. You know, there's more games out there. There's more there's more skirmish level games and more types of games and more ways of playing that aren't just a straight one-on-one match, which is one of the other things that might get mentioned is like, eh, you know, women just don't generally tend to do that. It's like, eh, some don't. It's not like women can't be competitive. They just probably don't find your particular niche of competitive stuff interesting. Like, sorry. So... I feel like I'm getting ranty. I'm going to calm down.
0: No, you're good. You're good. It's Yeah, so yeah, I agree with that. So when you kind of look – well, looking at the uh, – when I was looking at the statistics, you know, in preparation for for this episode, mm-hmm. I was like, oh, that is really interesting that – and I look at my D&D group. Mm-hmm. Like, so when I used to play in the early 2000s, I would be the only, you know, woman at the table. Now I've got like two or three other women that are sitting with me at the table. Yeah. So it's cool to see – okay, so not all tabletop – is dead for this, you know, demographic. Um, but there's a lot of differences.
1: Well, and I would warn, and I would also separate just RPGs and like tabletop wargaming, while well, both considered in the tabletop genre, are are pretty distinctly different things. Yes. So yeah, just to kind of continue on your point, like you're you're right. Like the the RPG side has definitely seen a, a huge mm-hmm. boon in it after it kind of became. I don't know, a lot more popular in, what, the last 10, 15 years, would you say?
0: Yeah, and then you have, like, Stranger Things on Netflix, right? So that's kind of put a spotlight on on d and d and has you know, it's a little bit more mainstream. There's a new Dungeons & Dragons movie coming out.
1: <laughs> but to be fair, like, just to compare that, is, you know, the same scene from Stranger Things happened in E.T. and it didn't do anything for the, you know, RPG scene. And... We all know that there was an old Dungeons and Dragons movie. There's two of them. Yo, that Jeremy Irons
0: movie, like, still holds a special no. place in my heart. I love that. I saw that in the theater. I love that movie. Did you that apologize is a free- to everyone else in the theater? Uh, no, that is, <laughs> that movie has a special place of honor <sighs> in our household. Like, yeah, if I want to get, like, drunk and just watch, like, Trash. Just Jeremy Irons <laughs> there we go. it up, like,
1: taking that Oh, my God. He was ha-
0: I. If you haven't seen it yet, if I can make a strong recommendation, Jeremy Irons' D D, it's right up um, there with the Alien versus Predator series. So you know, <laughs> that
1: wasn't that didn't do anything to make women go play RPGs. Yeah,
0: either. no, that's fair. But I do think that there is so women are definitely like we love playing video games too, right? But I think that narrative story, you know, those narrative games, those games with a, with 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 a story, and you the role playing and stuff, I feel like that has more appeal to a broader audience. So taking our game group for our immediate community, those are the nights that we get the most women that come to the store. So if we're playing War Machine, Commandant, right? It's like four man, you know, all for yourself. It's the fun, you know, silly beat them up in the center. Iron Kingdom's nights, Escalation League. Uh, So yeah, the narrative stuff, I think it's, it has more of an appeal and it kind of pulls away from that competitive, you know, mindset of that that one-on-one, you know, locking horns on, on the field of battle. Yeah. Which is, uh, when, I, when I recommended earlier, like, if you're trying to expand your gamer group, uh, look to, you know, look outside of War Machine, look outside of Warhammer and open it up to you know, the D&D community or whatever other tabletop group is is happening in your area. One of the other stores that we play at down in Middletown, Born to Game, they have D&D sessions on the Sundays that we play War Machine. And a lot of times, you know, we have, you know, men, women, kids, parents, whoever that come, you know, check out our tables. Oh, hey, what is it you guys are playing to kind of start that initial dialogue? But Miranda, you also brought up a really good Point two, we were talking earlier, you can't force your hobbies on people. <laughs> you
1: well, yeah, can't, it's just weird.
0: Yeah, you can't ram, you can't ram that down, down down the throat, you know. People like what they like, they, they don't like what they don't like.
1: Well, and it's like, well, so you've got to kind of look at it clinically. It's like, well, okay, do you not like it because that is just a topic that is not particularly interesting to you? Which, I, which is kind of where I stand on, like, I don't know, War Machine. Yeah, probably a pretty small percentage of women are, are playing it. But the women who play it love it. It's not like they feel like, oh, no, I'm – do you feel specifically alienated just because you might be the only one in a room sometimes to play the game? I doubt it.
0: Mm-hmm. Oh, oh well, I was just going to kind of s- mention that too. Like when that magazine, you know, contacted you or whatever, I don't – liked and i i kind of apply this for my my full-time job and everything that i do i don't look at myself as a female gamer female war gamer i look at myself as a war gamer that happens to be female or a gamer that happens to be female like that's not we don't lead with that and we don't want to lead with that (laughs)
1: right because then there's a whole bunch of other stuff that gets attached to it it's like oh i'm in here as a woman it's like well great every loss is you as a woman every win is you as a woman like now you just have this bizarre amount of representation you taken on for no good reason. (laughs) It's like, how about you're just a person? Like, that's cool, too. And you should be. Mm -hmm. So yeah, getting in there and enjoying the game for what it is. There's nothing, to me, I don't think there's anything inherently, you know, uh, alienating to women in any of of the current war games that are out there. You can play all kinds of weird stuff. And it's not even like women are, you know, the shrinking violets, like, so sensitive they can't handle it. Because the biggest representation of women I've seen in a war game has been Malifo, where they play with dead hookers. So it's like, no, 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 you're <laughs> fine. They're not, it's not like they can't handle things. It's fine. But you're mm-hmm. right. Like one of the other things about Malifo is that it has so much moxie and story driven elements to it that you're, you know, you're this little gang, you're doing these specific schemes across the board. And it ended up being just a little more appealing to that group. So good. Mm-hmm. Like keep doing that. And, and other games keep doing what they're doing. And humans, being human, will find the things they like and just enjoy them.
0: Yeah, like that. So my first war game ever, which like my first love that I will always have a special place in my heart, was Mordheim. Uh-huh. And I love the fact that it kind of had that squad RPG leveling up, buying equipment. I was like, oh, this is like really freaking cool. And I remember doing like story campaigns with my gaming group. And it felt like that game specific, other than the art, like the art and that in the the uh the core rule book for Mordheim is like sick yeah. um <laughs> is uh, that's what got me into it was the narrative you know RPG element of that game like the the skirmish the war gaming was kind of secondary to that narrative play experience
1: yeah and and I think I generally feel more that way like uh, more in the height of mark 2 when I was doing tournaments and stuff I'm like yeah you know I'll catch up on the lore at some point but really I just want to crush face Rawr, this was fun And then after a while, I'm like, you know, you get tired of playing and maybe you do a little more of the hobbying side or you get tired of the hobbying side and you start reading a little bit more of the lore. Like that's what keeps a game alive is you really need all three of those elements to maintain a healthy war game. And so it's been nice to go back and read some of the lore and I, you know, War Machine, the lore can be a little all over the place, but generally there's some really good books out there. Like the story of Kane and his
0: whole Hellslinger series. Like
1: that's some cool stuff there. So it's nice to be yeah, able to
0: get the, uh, Yeah, the butcher book, I think I like killed that in a day and a half. Uh, that was a fun, delightful little read.
1: <laughs> I did read through that and I was like, yep, he's a jerk. I hate him still. <laughs> <laughs>
0: That's why I was surprised that Sorsha Zero didn't have an animosity butcher when she came out, right. uh, because of like the time period. It just it
1: should have been early enough, yeah. right? But
0: um, yeah, 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 yeah.
1: I don't know. Yeah. And and that was Sidebar. actually one of the cool things that. <laughs> and and maybe it was a Mark One thing, but it was definitely a Mark Two thing, like the second edition or you know Iris Two or whatever. There would be some lore moment that happened in the rulebook that had him have his new epic form or whatever. Like mm-hmm. um, I think at that point for him, he had been um, censured by. Queen Ivanar for letting too many of his troops die. So his whole thing was just like, no, I need to protect more of Kador the next time I fight. And so to general players playing the game, they're like, yeah, hey, you know, whatever. This is the, the, the better version or just, whatever. It's just
0: a Rusk with a flag. <laughs> yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. Such a top-heavy model, but regardless. Uh, he... <laughs> Yeah, there were, like, lore reasons for it. And I'm like, oh, man, that was always so cool to me. I, I loved that. It was one of the things that made it bet, I don't know, like, there's a lot of complaints about there not being generic casters, right? Like, you would like something that could be more representative of just you. I play this character, you know, Bob the Warcaster, but you're always dealing with named characters. And so having the lore attached to that was was pretty
0: cool. I, I dug that. Mm-hmm. So just saw this, so what what initially got you into tabletop gaming?
1: Uh I mean I always grew up playing video games and mm-hmm. none of my female friends played video games to be fair. <laughs> but Gotcha. <That's> but <laughs> um but you know I have three brothers and we were all brutally competitive with each other. And so I just always figured like no I can I can do whatever and and so I I always um I don't know just took that as a fairly natural thing, but I didn't really know about war gaming until more like I don't know 20. So I was about 20 years old because Uh, My older brother, he would get off, he would run off with his friends and go play like Shadowrun and these other games, and and not exclude me because it was one of those like, you know, I'm his his loser little sister, so I don't get to go, Mm -hmm. and I really wanted it. So for whatever reason, it really like bloomed this, um, I don't know, antagonistic interest. (laughs) And so after being an adult for a while, I was like, oh, war games, like that's that's even cooler and that's even nerdier, and I can I could do this, like this is fun. So. I don't know, like, maybe a little bit of sarcasm, spitefulness to my family,
0: but also... (laughs) So, so like, did you just, like, roll up to, like, a local store? Like, how did you get connected with with your first community?
1: So my, I guess, boyfriend at the time, husband now, played Warhammer as a kid, terribly ridiculed throughout all of his time doing so as a kid, but he introduced me to 40K, then we went to the local game HQ, which was in Oklahoma City, and that's where i found war machine so it was just really just walking down to a game store and being like oh well, this is cool and then I didn't get to do much with that community there but when i came back to albuquerque i had my stuff so i just walked into the game store and i'm like hey can someone teach me this game please <laughs> so i just you know waltzed in. There. nice
0: yeah so i guess the other thing too where i kind of kind of like to, to to curb the the conversation is definitely setting up like demo tables uh like pretty tables in general that turns heads. So I know as war machine players, it's kind of hard for us to transition to, you know, three dimensional terrain, terrain that goes uh, vertical. (laughs) I know my husband is fighting tooth and nail. He loves his 2D flat. There's no
1: reason for (laughs) it. If you like it so much, play a video game. I'm sorry. I just have (laughs) like, I hear you. I understand where you're like, oh, I want that precision. But dude, the models are still hanging off the bases. Like you're just not going to get it. This is an analog game for a reason. It might as well be pretty, especially, especially Mm -hmm. if you want people to come and look at that game and be interested in it.
0: Yeah. And uh, that's the thing too, like on your game nights, it's so important, like get to the stores, you have to have, um, you know, that in person FaceTime. And I think even with our store, we try and, you know, make it a point to have one, like, we have a demo, Signar and a Crix army that was donated to us. Um, And we take that to the store with us and we just set that up in the back for anyone that's interested. Like, hey, you know, you want to throw some dice? We got some armies here for you, you know, to try out. Yeah. Pretty tables helps. Painted models helps. Oh, yeah. Um, I mean,
1: you walk in and you just see you know, gray or metal models (laughs) or...
0: Or flat, flat boring tables. You're just going
1: to walk by it because it just doesn't look interesting. I mean, even Mm -hmm. magic suffers that. And they have, you know, they have pretty artwork, but you really kind of have to be over somebody, which is weird to like see or appreciate any of that. So no, Mm -hmm. you walk in and this is where 40K has always kind of ruled the roost. Although Infinity has done an amazing job in their own right on it. So yeah, you've got these like cool, like citadels standing up and these neat Mm -hmm. terrain fields with minefields and these objectives set up and you're watching these you know tanks and little mans like all over you know parts of the board with firing happening back and forth and you walk in you're like what is this it's a whole diorama and i don't know if you like i don't play historical games particularly although bolt action has some really
0: beautiful stuff too that what is that uh, is it uh, something in allies axis and and allies Allies. is that Those tables are, like, really cool. Well, there's, like, the
1: Napoleonic Wars, even. Like, the the historical Mm -hmm. folks, they have been doing that forever. And they do. They make full-on dioramas. You walk in, you're like, wow, this... This is really cool. And that's that's like the part that captures the imagination. And then you can be like, oh yeah, there's this cool world. There's these semi-sentient uh, machines that you know you can control telepathically, and they will go and fight for you in this, you know, kind of steam-powered, steampunky world. It's like, oh wow, tell me more. But if you just have placemats and circles and rectangles and unpainted models, yeah, people are going to walk by and just be like, where's the magic cards?
0: <laughs> yeah. The other thing, too, um, that helps turn heads is, uh, like, community events. So once a year for steamrollers, we like hosting a charity steamroller. Uh, so we did our first food machine back in February. It was a huge success. Oh, yeah. um, we did it with our, our local food bank. And it was awesome. We had a bunch of people just, like, from the community, like, you know, fellow nerds, fellow gamers, men, women, you know, their families who brought their kids just to check it out yeah. and, and help donate. But that's another way too, to help with, you know, to strike up conversation and just expand your 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 social circles in a way. And everybody, yeah, everyone always likes helping people, you know? Well, yeah. <laughs> I mean,
1: obviously like a food bank thing is like just have at it, right? Like, I like the food machine thing. That was always a really cool, that was always a really cool type of event. But just having events in general, some weekly thing or monthly thing at the store that gives someone an excuse for everyone to congregate around a similar interest that day. Yeah, that's, that's absolutely the way to do it. And that's really nice when you do see well-run game stores making sure that those are being organized, but they also need help from the community of people who are trying to represent, you know, their favorite game showing up and actually, like, participating and helping generate that interest too cuz a game store can only do so much on its own but they
0: didn't do a heck of a lot yeah it's it's the players and the community that's the lifeblood you oh, know yeah. um, that that keeps the community going
1: i know it's, and so i'm looking forward to like again it brings me back to mark four i'm like oh please i really hope this is really good like with the revision of the iron kingdoms requiem and now the new edition of war machine like they it seems like they're trying to kind of make it this whole you know Across the board uh, revision and 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 resurgence, hopefully,
0: but yeah,
1: hopefully October they They just.
0: I just hope they stick the landing. Private, yeah, privateer press. If you're listening, like, give such a great opportunity, great chance. Like, don't mess it up in October, please.
1: (laughs) You have every opportunity to do this right. So yeah, yeah, it's it. There's definitely enough people in the community who want it to happen, and there's always going to be naysayers but they're gonna buy your game too so whatever like
0: yeah
1: <laughs> i mean this just happens to be how it goes so
0: oh that was that was still me until I was a teen. i was like f these archons i hate them yeah i'll buy two defiled two prime like two <laughs> defiled in the void please <laughs> wow, wow wow. yeah wow that's funny So yeah i don't know um. as,
1: as far as like girls in gaming like They'll they'll come or they won't. I mean, and, and as the games, as gaming in general, as tabletop gaming in general becomes more popular and you have things like Critical Role and shows that, are, that bring it more to the fore, it's just going to call more attention to it. So you're just naturally going to see more people to it and then subsequently just more women in it. And then they're going to make a bunch of different types of games that are going to have a bunch of different varying appeals and that's perfect. You know, like let everyone find what they want to do. I do have an objection to anybody saying, oh, you don't have enough women playing your game. You need to fundamentally change because like, look, they're not that you're you're coming at it from the wrong angle. Yeah. It's like you're just deciding something's wrong when they're probably. Yeah. Isn't. And it's
0: it's like even with like other business, like I use the like the airline, you know, industry thing. Like I don't care what your stance is. I just want to get from point A to point B safely. There you like, <laughs> you have a good product. You have a good service. Like, that's what's – at the end of the day, that's what's going to – Right. You know. And so
1: is changing it now going to cause more problems than it fixes? And does it doesn't even solve the problem you're trying to solve? Which usually it doesn't. Right. It's one of those things where you have to be <laughs> – as cheesy as it sounds, you have to be true to yourself, right? Like, you don't run around changing yourself to try and appeal to other people. You are yourself, and then you find the right people to – be your friend. And it
0: kind of works for games too. Fair point. Well, on that note, we are hitting just over an hour. I don't know how long your show is. So I was just going to keep it. <laughs> I think <I>, like, <laughs> yeah, no, it's cool. I, um, I think it's about an hour is what we look at, like between an hour and an hour, 10 okay. topsies. So we can, we can roll into the conclusion. Yeah, sure. All right. Well, um, you know, on, on that note, I think we, uh, Talks about a lot of a lot of good things, Miranda. Thank you so much for for coming on the show and you know sharing your time with us tonight. And it was really cool picking your brain about Mark IV and all the excitement all excitement to come do you have any closing statements or
1: i mean obviously thank you for having me on this was really fun i'm so excited to see another wargaming war machine channel coming out too so i and congratulations i saw you are already over 600 subscribers so thank you you yeah thank you so much rocking on i'm so glad that you are doing so much that you are for the community where you are at locally so keep on fighting the good fight i i it's, i'm so glad to have learned about you guys so thank you and then yeah as far as my channel goes keep an eye out for some mark IV battle reports they they will be coming
0: yep and we're uh we're going to have in the uh, the show notes below uh wargamer girl it's easy to find uh can we add you to our war machine channels we like yes of course sweet okay girl you're going <laughs> all right cool all right well thanks again that's going to conclude this episode of tried and true Uh, let us know your mark four thoughts or any of the things you've done in the past to help promote tabletop gaming to a wider audience and as always see you on the next installment of tried and true bye